Welcome to Silicon Valley Momentum, where advisor and author Roland Siebelink talks all things tech startups and brings you interviews with founders across the world. Now, here's your host. Hello, and welcome to Silicon Valley Momentum, the podcast in which we interview amazing co-founders from the coolest tech companies around the world. Today, our guests are Luke Bonney and James Lloyd, the CEO and CTO of Redox Engine. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, Roland. Thanks for having us. Hey, Roland. Very good. So, um, as always, we start with uh, some recent news from the tech uh, scene. And the first one I thought was really interesting to get deep into the emotional aspects of what it's like to be a founder, because there was an article on TechCrunch that said that married co-founders are a startup secret weapon. They mentioned a few companies where actually both of the co-founders are a real couple, are actually married. Now, I'm not in any way implying that that's the case here at Redox, (laughs) but I did think it was an interesting parallel to just look at companies like ClearBank with Andrew Tsouza and Michelle Romanoff and Eventbrite that Julia and Kevin Hartz co-founded and Next Trucking is mentioned. So Luke, let's maybe start with you. How do you compare a co-founder relationship with being married? Acknowledging, of course, that the third co-founder, Nico, uh, couldn't make it today. So we do all send our regards to Nico before you answer the question. Yeah. And, and, and Nico would probably make this podcast more fun. So we are both (laughs) missing him now and and later as we listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> but now I, I think it's a, I think it's a strong analogy. I think to me, the, the interesting kind of question comes from how does this relationship a relationship with your spouse or a relationship with a co-founder enable success and growth in whatever endeavor we're, we're working on. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think there's a lot of, of really strong overlap. I think this has been a, something that I've done both in my relationship with Kelsey, my wife, as well as relationships Mm -hmm. with James and and Nico is to just accept that the health of our relationship is a fundamental determinant in the success of, of, in this example of Redox. And when you understand and accept that you understand and accept that we should constantly be investing in it. Mm -hmm. So really early on, um, you know, before we even started with you, Roland and working with you has been fantastic. We were working with a with a woman, Sarah Young, mm-hmm. um, who has her co- her own coaching practice, mm-hmm. and the core job there was she was basically facilitating kind of group therapy sessions right. with the three of us. She would meet with us individually, and then once a month we'd come together, and that was huge because it allowed us to really talk about really difficult things in a safe mm-hmm. environment where there might have been things we weren't trusting between mm-hmm. each other or tough topics that we were scared to breach. And I think figuring that out early on has been a huge asset to the company because it's allowed us to be much more effective in how we communicate. Absolutely. So uh, James, concretely, what does that mean? There must be some areas that you fight over, like basically the corporate equivalent of who does the washing up. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I think it's really beneficial in um, any sort of relationship to appreciate and find someone whose strengths fill in your weaknesses and, mm-hmm. and have a mutual appreciation of that. I think if, if in any relationship you have someone who duplicates your strengths, then you're both going to have the same weaknesses. But the, the kind of natural filling in for the gaps of each other is, is uh, I think, a really important part of, of that kind of co-founder relationship. I will say that it was also really important for us to actually know each other before starting the company. Hmm. All three of us 
had many year existing friendship and relationship prior to starting the company. And I think that was, that was critical to knowing that it was going to be a healthy working relationship. You mentioned Nico as a third co-founder, right? So what's been your experience in having three co-founders compared to other companies you may know that have two co-founders? Maybe let's continue with Luke. I think it's awesome. And it's because I, I really do feel that the three of us bring unique strengths. And if any, any combination of the two of us have in some ways some pretty obvious weaknesses. Mm -hmm. James? I would, I would also just add that having three people or specifically having an odd number of people from a pretty practical standpoint is, is useful in not having ties. If there's ever a decision that needs to be made and made quickly or made completely, it always resolves to some sort of maturity. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's move on to a $6 million investment that was announced in a team productivity startup range and TechCrunch and Crunchbase also identified that it's not just range. There were many other workplace productivity softwares that have been raising funding in recent years, like Unito for 10 and a half million, million uh, but also of course, far more mature companies, uh, Monday.com raising 150 million dollar series d last year asina filing to uh, for their direct listing what do you think james about the state of productivity software bearing in mind of course that redox uniquely is a fully remote company where uh, you probably have more dependency on tools than if you were all in one office mm -hmm. yeah i think it's really interesting that the space around connecting up all these um, disparate tools is really becoming quite necessary so as a distributed team we use Things like video calls pretty much constantly. Uh, we rely on a lot of other tools that we use to provide us dashboards about how the team is doing, even into some management type aspects of how the team is running because we have less of the managed by walking around type mm -hmm. activity available to us. And I think the tools that are available um, to entrepreneurs and to software companies today are, um, there are a lot of really great targeted applications and now the challenge is figuring out how to get them all to talk to each other. And so I think companies like uh, Unido and, and folks like that are kind of playing that, playing that role of stitching everything together. I, I also think that one of the interesting areas of uh, kind of software tool emergence for the, for the enterprise space is around, um, there seems to be a ton around the HR and people um, management side of things. So companies like CultureAmp and OfficeVibe and mm -hmm. Uh, Lattice and, and all, all these that are really helping getting to know your employees and getting to understand the the success of the of the experience to be an employee at your company. So I think that space is really is really interesting. Well, as well, it it really goes to show that you know kind of knowledge work in, in the decade of of twenty twenties is going to be a lot more a lot more empathetic to everybody involved. I think. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So, Luke, what's been your experience in running a distributed company? And uh, what are the key tools that you couldn't live without? The experience has been, I mean, some total has been absolutely fantastic. And I think, I think, you know, James describes it really well. What we're able to do is decouple people's employment with their, where they decide to live and where they decide to, to have their lives. And when you do that, what you really experience is, um, when we say we want to get the best people who are aligned with our, with our mission, who have the, you know, the, the passion, the drive and the experience that we're looking for, we can do that at a, at a national level. Mm -hmm. And I 
think we see that in our ability to recruit fantastic people to join Redox. Mm. And then we also see it in amazing retention and inclusion scores. To mm. James's point, we, we stood up, we stood up Culture Amp. And um, I do think we have the benefit of being a, mi a very mission-driven organization. Mm -hmm. But uh, what we see is that people really love to be a part of Redox. And mm -hmm. I think so much of being a distributed company means that you need to extend trust to anybody who is joining the organization because you're not walking down the hallway and saying, mm -hmm. are you at work doing, doing your job? Mm -hmm. We have to be more focused on outcomes and leading and managing to outcomes than activities and tasks. Um, so it really levels us up from that standpoint. I, I can definitely confirm that I've seen Redox be able to recruit far faster and far higher quality people that would say than the typical scale up. Everyone goes through this phase of, oh, now we need to hire a hundred people for the next year or even more. And all the people I've worked with, all the companies I've worked with, I think you folks have had the, the best execution of that plan that I've seen because you have so much fewer constraints, right? Yeah, I mean, when, when we look at our three-year top-line talent strategy, it is to be recognized as the best distributed company to work for. Mm -hmm. um, that's how much we believe, we believe in it. Um, in terms of the tools, Slack is literally our central nervous system. Like, mm -hmm. it is how we communicate. It is how a lot of stuff gets done. Um, that, that's the left hand. Maybe, uh, maybe Zoom is the right hand. <laughs> <laughs> and then more and more we're doing, we're doing way more to, to move into an asynchronous communication approach. Mm. And, and really what that means is doing more long form writing because it's such a more effective way to, to communicate complicated context and ideas. Mm -hmm. um, so Google Docs is obviously a huge tool and we're, we're actively rolling out Confluence as our core knowledge management system. And then of course, all of the core systems, each functional area needs, those are critical as well. Mm -hmm. Let's move a little bit into the healthcare space. So there was an announcement as well that Vaser is a new service that wants to unify all healthcare data. Uh, probably something very close to your heart. Can you talk a little bit about the healthcare space and what are the problems with the integration of patient data in particular? James, would you want to start with that? Yeah, absolutely. So for a non-healthcare audience that may be familiar with some other business topics, the best analogy I can make to the healthcare space is, is what you may be encounter if you're trying to have an application uh, talk to a hundred different instances of Salesforce mm -hmm. where you have a bunch of custom fields, a bunch of custom values, everybody is implemented and then iterated on um, kind of maybe a core framework, but it's, it, they've all sort of diverged from, from their starting point. And mm -hmm. a lot of what is complicated about the healthcare space is that you have a single human being, a patient that's represented in all of these different systems and to actually try to reconcile them and provide a, a consistent level of service across the different uh, the different settings, it can be really challenging. Uh, a lot of the buzz in healthcare is around interoperability. And historically, the healthcare industry has sort of worked like how enterprise worked in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, where everything just sort of worked together because you got it all from Microsoft. And it mm -hmm. just kind of all, mm -hmm. all played nicely. Right. Um, and now we're sort of in healthcare going into this world that's very similar to the rest of enterprise, where you may use Gmail, you may use Slack, you may use different tools for different jobs, but now you have to stitch them all together. So there's, in healthcare, there's been an emergence of very targeted, very specific applications, folks who are doing great at social determinants of health or helping get pa patients to the doctor with medical transportation and a lot of areas that are, that are very niche and we still need this kind of communication layer to, 
to get them all to talk to each other. So that's sort of where we sit in the, in the world mm -hmm. of healthcare is, is helping make that communication happen. Yeah, Luke, how many healthcare startups do you have on your platform at this stage? Billions. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> uh, we, we have thousands and thousands of developers actively on the platform, hundreds, mm -hmm. of, hundreds of applications, and we support startups all the way through to the, to, to the enterprise. Mm -hmm. um, and really what's at the core, you know, the core of what we think about is how do we accelerate the adoption of technology in healthcare? Mm -hmm. um, integration and this kind of core communication platform is what we see as problem number one. It's really about how do we pull friction out of technology adoption in healthcare. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and when we think about our ultimate impact, it's reducing the total cost of care and improving health outcomes and supporting the role of technology in that. Okay, great. Um, so let's move a bit more into the Redox story. Now we've been recording for a while, but there's maybe some listeners that don't really understand what Redox does. So Luke, would you mind summarizing it in uh, less than a minute? <laughs> oh, I was going to tell our founding story. Can I have two uh -huh. minutes? I think yes, I of course, please. Two minutes. <laughs> we love stories. Right, so cool. any story you can add is great. <laughs> I think it's interesting because you kind of heard bits and pieces of it in, in the discussion we've had so far. But uh, the three of us who started the company, we all got to know each other and moved to Madison, Wisconsin, I'll be part of Epic, which is think about them as, as the, the industry leading what's called the HR company, electronic health record company, which is like the SAP or the Oracle's for mm -hmm. healthcare system yep. of record for major health systems. And that's where we met, the three of us had different roles. In early 2013, James and Nico each left to pursue their own entrepreneurial paths, build their own crazy companies. <laughs> And along the way started uh, what is now the largest co-working space in, in the state of Wisconsin, about mm -hmm. 400 people. I got involved when we realized that about 40% of the folks in that space had some close relationship to, to healthcare. Um, so the first project that the three of us actually worked on was this incubator idea that we mm -hmm. called 100 Health. And 100 Health, our, our tagline was, we're going to start 100 digital health companies in Madison over the next five years. There's really two core ideas. One is... Healthcare had just digitized version 1.0 via yep. Obamacare and a, mm -hmm. and a significant federal subsidy to drive mm -hmm. the adoption of EHRs. And two, a lot of this innovation we thought was going to happen in areas of, of uh, deep expertise. And Madison had an opportunity to be one of those ecosystems. Mm -hmm. We didn't successfully start 100 companies. We did end up supporting seven different digital health companies. And each of those was seven companies. They each had their own application, cloud-based technology, seeking to scale. And Redox was born when we realized that each of those seven companies, they're all going to run into the exact same problem. Mm. There's going to be a huge problem in their ability to scale and driving the adoption of their technology, which is they were each going to have to support and manage their own point-to-point -point backend data integration with their mm. customers, mm -hmm. uh, their customers being large healthcare organizations. We understood exactly how to do that, but I think one of the real innovations and insights was this idea of, well, what if we thought about the solution through the lens of the developer? What would the ideal developer mm -hmm. solution set be? Be a developer-first platform with a single endpoint, a consistent data model. And then we realized that if we conceptualize this, so we conceptualize Redox as this platform, that ultimately each time anybody connected to it, whether it be an application or whether it was a healthcare organization we we're integrating with, became a reusable node Mm. where the addition of that node would add value to anybody else who was already on the platform. Um, we really had something interesting and special. 
So today, mm-hmm. that's really how we think about Redox. It's fundamentally a platform designed for developers to reduce friction in the overall adoption cycle of technology. Integration is the first problem we solve. And we have, as I said, thousands of developers and applications connected to hundreds of different healthcare organizations across the country mm-hmm. that represent um, north of 25% of hospitals at this point and growing triple digits year over year. Oh, that's amazing. Scope of our network. That's amazing. The numbers speak for themselves. And yet, I think in working with you folks, I've also seen that it's not just numbers that drive you, right? It's really also that deeper purpose. You already mentioned it, like we're all patients and, you know, how do we make healthcare more efficient? So, James, can you maybe recall a time when you had to choose between maybe a numbers and a purpose and how you made a decision as a team to prioritize the purpose or not? Yeah, the, the first example that comes to mind is probably our, we actually have a program to support nonprofits and folks who would potentially want to be a Redox customer, but may not be able to afford it. Mm-hmm. We call that, that program Redox Gives. We really wanted to be able to actually use what we do really well, which is our product and our company to help out people in a pretty unique way. Okay. Look, does it also affect um, hiring or people development decisions to have the purpose in mind at Redox? Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. If, um, you know, one of the ways that I think about this is there's there's different types of motivation and, and people who are motivated by our, our purpose and see how they can contribute to that purpose. I think it's just a totally different level of, of willingness and, and passion when it comes to, to being a part of the team. Um, we think about that through our values and it's a core part of what we look at when we are hiring folks, we actually, we call it a, a redoxiness assessment that okay. looks for a number of different traits. Um, but if you were to ask Andy, he leads our, our people ops team. A great redox candidate is somebody who's super talented, who, who's looking to join a mission driven organization and have a major impact. So mm-hmm. it's core uh, mm-hmm. to, to we bring onto the team. So, so um, you've had uh, situations where somebody was good at every single checkbox rather, but not at the mission driven and you'd have to let them go or not hire them? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the easiest ways we, we think about it is um, you can think of uh, Kevin, who is our head of sales, says this, I think, in a very succinct and powerful way. Hmm. Everybody sh- should get evaluated on what they do and how they do it. Mm-hmm. And you don't just get kind of evaluated on one, you get evaluated on both. And we've had a couple of examples where mm-hmm. we had a high performer who, who absolutely uh, we ended up letting go. Yeah, um, and it, yeah, it's painful and it's tough, but it's it's a huge relief. That's a that's yeah. a common learning with uh, with uh, many startup founders that it's uh, two three months of pain to prepare for the decision, and then you're like, oh, I wish I'd done this six months earlier, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah. Thomas yeah. Edison said, I think we can uh, apply this to startups as well. Genius is one percent inspiration, ninety nine percent perspiration. So inside this amazing Redox story there must have been some roadblocks or some challenges every now and then. James, can you recall one or two challenges that were really arduous and how did you overcome them? Uh, only, only one or two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I often tell people that like my, my job has cha- changed every six months because of this 
um, constant treadmill of new and new and exciting problems to solve. You know, we've been fortunate that we've had uh, <laughs> we've had a lot of what I would call the the good problems. Yeah. So as the CTO, I work a lot with our product and engineering teams. And mm -hmm. a few years ago, we were a ten person engineering team and supporting a very critical piece of of infrastructure for things that people rely on for getting care and growing at about ten x every year. Um, it was a constant struggle and sometimes continues to be to to stay in front of the growth while also delivering on the new features and the the, the new innovation that our, our industry is relying on us for. So I'd say that's probably pretty much a, a constant thing that we're thinking about and talking about is delivering on reliability and stability while also staying ahead from an innovation standpoint. Mm -hmm. Look, when you recall one of the potential train wrecks that I'm sure Redox has experienced as any of the other startup does, how did you pull a company through a train wreck like that? You know, I, I think it's it's through tough tough times that you actually kind of find out who who we are as an organization mm -hmm. and who really, you know, cares about the organization. The, the first example of this is uh, literally like within the first year of Redox's existence, when we were in the process of raising our Series A, mm -hmm. we had a huge contract that we thought was going to get signed by a large health system down in Houston. Mm -hmm. And most of our fundraising was built on the story that we were going to get validated through the signing of this contract. Um, and the contract made it all the way through red lines. It was literally sitting on the CIO's desk, who was our champion. The day that they were supposed to sign the contract, we sent it along and 12 hours goes by, 18 hours goes by. Uh. It comes to we come to find out that the CIO had literally walked into the CEO's office that day to get this contract signed and had been fired. Oh wow! Um, and and you know there was like six weeks worth of cash left in the bank. I think there was nine people at the company at that point. We had just spent two and a half months going through diligence with 406, who was going to lead our Series A, and mm -hmm. my expectation was Redox, as we knew it, was going to cease to exist. I remember calling up Liam at 406 and basically saying, hey, this contract is, is no more and I'm really sorry about it. Here's what happened. Yep. And he said, you know, tough things happen. We are investing in Redox, not because of one contract, but because we believe in you and the team and, and the vision. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody at the company, you know, come to find out everybody at the company, they weren't going anywhere either. Mm -hmm. um, so really core to the ethos of Redox is this, we're in it for the long run. We're in it because we believe in what we're doing. And sometimes you need to go through some really tough stuff to, to remember that. Mm -hmm. um, and we've definitely had our fair share of trade wrecks, <laughs> but we've continued onward, right? We're, we're, yeah. we've, always, we've always strived to be transparent, to tell the truth, mm -hmm. to help people make their own decisions and then move forward. Very good, very inspiring. You've also, as a company, started to adopt the scaling up methodology from the beginning of last year, and we've started to work together. How's your experience been with, one, adopting a framework such as scaling up, and second, working with a, a facilitator coach such as myself in, in how Redux has, has been working? So I... I... I, James said it earlier, but there's this feeling of that, that I feel strongly as well, which is like your job as a co-founder and a first-time executive at a startup and, and quickly scaling company feels like you're doing a new job every six months. Mm. And most of the time that's really invigorating and some of the time that's really exhausting. Mm. And 
the question that is constantly going through my head and I think a lot of folks had is, am I focusing on the right questions? Mm -hmm. Are we innovating where we need to innovate mm -hmm. and stealing and borrowing and learning where there are things that we, where we don't need to innovate. And it's because mm -hmm. innovation is hard and it's risky. And I remember we were having a conversation. I think it was three, three of us as co-founders saying, there's gotta be a better way to think about the framework of running a scaling company. Mm -hmm. And we started doing research and we basically came across scaling up mm -hmm. as a methodology and, and Vern Harsh's book. And I remember reading it for the first time, just being like, oh my God, this, <laughs> this helps answer so many questions mm -hmm. where we don't have to build it ourselves for the first time as if it doesn't exist. Right. And then we found out that there were coaches like you, Roland, who, who <laughs> used this methodology. I, I can just say that there's moments in companies' history where you kind of see inflection points. I think our, our, our realization that we needed a framework and then our ability to say, yes, we're going to adopt this and adapt it. And then finding you as a coach will be one of those for Redox. It was the realization that we can't spend all our time inventing everything. It was a realization that we need to find somebody who is an expert who would come in and help drive our personal growth and development, but also help the overall adoption of this framework at the executive team level. So it's been mm -hmm. hugely valuable. James, how's your experience been in having a framework that you stick to, but also having coaching and your development as a startup founder, startup executive? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the way I think about it is um, it, it's really been sort of the, the canvas that we get to paint on. And yep. I think prior to having a, a structure, we were trying to invent our own structure. So we were trying to figure out where we were going to paint and paint at the same time. And we were putting a lot of our energy into basically creating our own framework and instead of uh, focusing on the problems that we actually uh, really needed to solve. And so mm -hmm. I think it's really accelerated our, both our, our progress as well as just our general communication and, and vocabulary and understanding what decisions we need to make and, and how to communicate that across the whole company. Awesome. Uh, Luke, any last words of advice for other founders around coaching, facilitation, frameworks to adopt? I wholeheartedly agree with everything that, that James just said. Experimenting with many up front, and, but, but then really be testing for who is somebody who you could trust and meaningfully communicate. And, and you know, your, your, deep, your deep, dark secrets, I think that that is really, really important. I think if you can find that person who could also work with your co-founders. Hmm. But I would say having outside coaching and direct support, I would say is, is if, if we were to do it again, I would, I would have it from the very beginning. Uh, good. Uh, so what does Redox need most from people listening to this uh, podcast? And where should they learn more about Redox? Where could they follow you or maybe even reach out? Look. Yeah, well, if you or anybody you know is, is building awesome technology and, and healthcare, reach out and we'd love to, to figure out how we can help you. We have a ton of experience and what it takes to successfully scale great technology in healthcare. So I'd say that's number one. If you want to follow us, we have an amazing blog. We also, Nico's not here, but he has kicked off an amazing podcast mm -hmm. with some really fantastic guests. So those would be the, the, the two areas that I am actively checking out as a participant and, and fellow Redoxer that I think anybody get a lot of value out of. Then James, I think Redox is also actively hiring, right, uh, across the country. So where can people get in touch if they're interested in working for a distributed company in healthcare like Redox? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we have a careers page on our website. So it's just redoxengine.com. And there's a careers page there that you can check out pretty much every Every team in our company is, is, is hiring something. So there's probably something for everybody who's there to check it out. And by all means, feel free to connect with me or, or Luke if you want to chat more and learn more about the company as well. So you can find us on uh, LinkedIn or I'm on Twitter too. So you can find us there. Thank you. And we'll put all those links in the show notes so that people can see this all in writing. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast, uh, both Luke and James. Luke, CEO, James, uh, CTO of Redox. Good luck with the further Redox journey. Thank you, Roland. Thanks, Roland. Like what you heard? Subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Tune in next time for more tech news and interviews with some of the brightest minds in tech today.